0: Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed, on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, every generation does it differently. Except generational labels are garbage. I talked to Katherine Scheukin, Senior Editor of Immigration and Demographics for CNN Digital, about labels. Plus, biz says thank you. Woo! Woo. Woo.
1: Kind of a quiet little because the baby is still sleeping this morning. But this is a check-in. Thank you for being the place that I can call when I need to be excited about a parenting thing that I can't can't really just go around telling people. (laughs) Basically, my child has been potty training for (laughs) two years, two very, very long years. And I won't go into details, but just it's one of those, have you tried this? Yes, I have tried everything. Situations. (laughs) We finally got Some tips earlier this month from the pediatrician that we just somehow hadn't heard before. Like, it was actually helpful advice. And (laughs) over the past month, not only has my child become fully potty trained, but we have started night potty training. And they're doing great. Like this. Okay, it's only night two. Like we we just finished night two, so like I, I, it's early on. But still, the past two nights have been so much more than I ever expected. I did not anticipate us doing this for at least another year. For it so for it to be going this well is just mind blowing, and I am in just almost in tears because I'm so happy that we're finally here and that this is going so well. And you can probably hear my cat purring right next to the phone because we will say it's because he's happy too. But I think it's just because he's happy to get through (laughs) school. Anyway, I feel like I'm doing such a great job. And the pediatrician is doing a great job. And you're doing a great job, Liz.
0: Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Oh, my gosh. You are doing a good job. This is a great check-in. You know, it could have fallen under genius, but I think this should fall under check-in, conversational Items that no one really wants to hear you talk about. I think this is fantastic. I love that you said, I'm so excited that we're finally there. It is an excited feeling. It's like driving a really long time to get to your vacation destination and your room is actually ready. And bonus, you got the corner room for whatever reason. You somehow got upgraded. That is what that journey feels like. And it is very exciting. And who cares if the water winds up not working in your hotel room? <laughs> you don't need to discover that until much later. Right now, you arrived and everything is as it should be. And I gotta tell you, I like that you also labeled this as this one of the things that falls under the, yes, I've already tried that category. Have you tried this? What about this? Have you tried this? <laughs> no, yes, trust me, I've tried literally almost everything. And I say almost because you don't ever want to like, eventually somebody is going to give you a pearl of wisdom that's really helpful, like your pediatrician. And also good job checking in with your pediatrician. Like, I don't know if instinctively for potty training, if I would have done that, right? Like instinctually, I would have made my life miserable by Googling it. So a good job asking your pediatricians. They actually want to help you. You are doing a great job. I see you. Absolutely excellent. Thank you for checking in. Speaking of thank you, thank you, everybody. We just finished our 11th Max Fund Drive. I don't know. It has been a lot. And we had set a very humble goal of 300 new upgrading or boosting members, and we did it. It was a nail-biter, but I needed to trim my nails anyway. It was so much fun. It reminded me how much I enjoy connecting uh, with the community. It's been like a really weird few years, and your support is, it makes such a difference. Not only does it help cover the things that we need to keep the podcast going, like Gabe. Ooh, I can't. Ever live without game anymore. But it also, I'll be honest, it's a little bit of an ego boost for me. It lets me know that you're listening. It lets me know that you want to keep hearing the podcast. So thank you so much. Also, I had one of those moments, like the potty training moment, except it was different. So, (laughs) except it was totally different outside of being a situation in which no one cares. So, Ellis, nine had a spring break by the way everybody spring spring break is right now ellis kicked off spring break with a runny nose and it was like uh, turning into like a little sorry throat from the runny and just it was annoying they didn't like it and i was out you know running errands because that's what i do now and i got some i was like you know what i'm gonna try it i'm gonna get the Tylenol, like cold, runny nose, allergy, whatever. something that's going to dry him up, right? I'm going to try it. My children do not take well to medicine. And Ellis is very picky in general. You know, Ellis (laughs) Ellis, Ellis won't even eat 90% of the stuff that's out there in the world. They like grape Tylenol. Okay? We know this. And despite regular Tylenol and Tylenol cold or Tylenol sinus or Tylenol whatever, also being grape, they don't taste the same. They are not the same. But I tried it anyway. I got the grape and I poured it. I said, Alice, I I I haven't tried to give this kid anything other than Tylenol, uh, I think, in years, probably since Raiden was throwing up medicine (laughs) several years ago. Uh, Giving medicine has always involved, like me, (gasps) crying, a lot of stress. So I was like, you know what? Alice, this is for the runny nose. It's going to help dry you up. That's going to make life better. It's purple, so it's grape. So go ahead. And he picks it up, and he takes a sip, you know, and he kind of makes the face, and he says, well, that doesn't taste like the regular Tylenol, but then he drank it. And I said, Alice, you drank it? And he (laughs) was so shocked, everybody. He was like... Yeah, it didn't taste as good. And I was like, yeah, but you drank it. You didn't like throw it across the room. You didn't stop drinking it. You drank it. He's like, yeah, well, I was going to help me. And I, <laughs> I really felt like the entire world stopped for a moment. Actually, the world was moving. I was frozen in place. And I, I was like, Ellis, I, no, I just need you to focus on me for a second. I need you to understand how much... Pure joy, I feel right now because you just drank it. You didn't complain about it. You didn't fight me on it. You didn't. Di- you just drank it, and it would. Uh, d- and he's like, "Yeah." So, and I'm like, oh, you don't understand how much of a little tiny miracle this feels like." Thank you, Ellis. <laughs> just kept going on and on and hugging and kissing them. And they took it again later. Ba-boom! This will never happen again. But it was just this pure moment of like, I guess this is how other people feel when their children just like do stuff that we all for some reason think children are supposed to do. So we just sometimes think that it's everybody's kid – but us. Or we think, you know, this is what's supposed to be like when, you know, it's not like in my day. In my day, I would have just taken it and kept my mouth shut, right? In the generation before me, they didn't even have medicine. They just died where they stood, (laughs) which I think ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about, which is sort of the myths that come from generational labeling and expectations with our guest, Katherine Schuykett. Stick around.
2: With Max Fundrive in the books, we'd like to welcome our new members and say thanks to everyone who's supported us over the years. Welcome. Thanks. And now on to the sticker sale. A lot of this year's drive gifts and live streams focused on food. We love how food can bring communities together, but not everyone has access to the food they need. So we'll split the proceeds from our sticker sale among five U.S. food banks in areas disproportionately affected by poverty. The sale ends Friday, April 14th. Members at the $10 monthly level and above can purchase any stickers they'd like. There's also a special MaxFun sticker featuring Nazi the Squirrel that all members can purchase. For more info, head to MaximumFun.org slash sticker sale. And thanks again for your support.
3: Please, take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when
0: we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you.
3: Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice.
0: Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Everybody, I am so excited to be speaking to Catherine Scheuchert who is a senior writer covering immigration and demographics for CNN Digital. Oh, won't you all want to know what I'm talking to her about? Welcome. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. I'm
2: so excited to be here.
0: (laughs) I realized, everybody, that that bio really left a lot. Uh, Why is this talking? I know we could go in so many directions. But before the plane takes off, I want to ask, who lives in your house
2: Oh, well, um, not a lot of people. It's uh, just (laughs) me, though sometimes it feels like a lot. (laughs) It's just me, uh, my husband Jonah, and my daughter Leah, who is
0: uh, almost 21 months old. Oh, you're still in the month phase. I'm horrible mm. with math. So that's almost Kay. two, right? That's <laughs> yeah, she's almost two. Between okay. one and two, yeah. closer to two. Yeah. <laughs> she's this <Yes>. height. <laughs> she's <laughs> like, you know, like you get those videos, not the videos, those emails, or at least when I was pregnant, you'd get all those like emails that are like, you're Thetis is like the size of a pineapple. I always mm. wish they had kept going. Like your child is now <laughs> the size of a small dog, right? Like get you know. Well, I
2: did just send a text to my dad yesterday with a photo that my daughter is just about the size of our recycling bin. Yeah. So See? there
0: you go. <laughs> there you go. That's very good. Yes. Uh, well, congratulations. You are still in a very interesting place, I am sure.
2: Yes, definitely. In fact, when you invited me to be on the show, I did kind of a double take because I feel still so um, new at this parenting thing and and still figuring it out. I think probably hours before the email came in, I had Googled like what to do when baby has a tantrum. (laughs) I'm still in like the search Google for everything phase. Uh, So... Um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and I, I look forward to hearing your expertise because oh. <laughs> I'm still figuring it all out.
0: My expertise is just that kids are weird. Your house gets weird. You get weird and it's all okay. Also, <laughs> I would love to know what Google responded with, with tantrum. You know, I, I'm sure nothing <laughs> that made you feel good.
2: <laughs> um, now I can't remember, you know, the rabbit hole takes you in so yeah. many directions. That I cannot even remember yeah. what it told me. I think it landed me in a, there was a New York Times article that was pretty helpful, but I now cannot remember what it said because. You have,
0: uh, a, have a one and a half year old the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we so. call it super brain because I never liked mommy brain. Cause I don't know. It just had some like anti-female like connotation. I just didn't, I was like, what? Screw you. I just, I made a baby. You know, and even if you didn't make the baby, if there is a baby or a kid living in your house, your brain is forever different. (laughs) So there you go. All right. I want to start by talking about you had a piece on CNN Digital that about the myths of being a millennial. Now, we really could go sideways talking about my dislike of branding generations. I don't think it's helpful. It feels obnoxious. <laughs> but in that, you shared a story about your becoming a parent at the same time as losing a parent. And and I got to say, it just, it was a blip in the whole story. But... I read it and was like, oh my God, what? So if you're, if you're willing to, I, I'd like to hear the story because I know you're not the only person with this story. So I, I, would like to hear it.
2: Sure. Yeah. Happy to talk about it. I guess just very quickly on the generational branding point, which is yeah. a very good one. I would just, yeah. uh, no, you are definitely not alone <laughs> in that feeling. And in, in fact, in the story, I, I yeah. talked a little bit about that. There's actually quite a big movement right now, a bunch of social scientists have been pushing for organizations like the Pew Research Center to stop using these generational labels because they think it's sort of a pseudoscience and it obscures a lot of really substantive discussions we could be having about social change because it lumps all these people that were born in the same year together without talking about things like socioeconomic status or race and all kinds of things that can influence someone's life. So you're, yeah, you're but, definitely not alone in that.
0: But it's America. We feeling. like to generalize and just love. We don't want to go yes. below the surface. That takes work. Stop it. The media, you know, the media would like to just keep it short, keep it simple. And no offense to media, given that you work in media. And I am <laughs> technically media. Now, but thank you for saying that.
2: But yeah, you're Uh, not alone. And uh, but I mean, I have to confess, I have been guilty of the generalizing of millennials. And I also talked in the story about how (laughs) I didn't even know I was technically considered a millennial for like a long time. So I was one of those people grumbling occasionally about millennials uh, myself. (laughs) So it's a which is a you know, ridiculous, but actually kind of a common thing. Pew even has done research about how a lot of millennials don't know that they are millennials. So uh, anyway, I I know that we don't want to get into like a wonky demographic analysis. But I just want you to know you're not alone. There's like a real (laughs) conversation around that going on right now. But I guess the way some people see it and the way the reason I still kind of talked about millennials in my piece is it, it can be kind of a useful way to talk about different things in our society. And I guess they were a lot of things that I've been wrestling with for a while. And as I started tackling the story, I realized, yeah, like there's a lot of a lot of misconceptions about millennials, partially because maybe the idea of labeling a generation is not a good approach. But, you know, there's just been this idea that took hold, you know, maybe 15 or so years Mm -hmm. ago about millennials being narcissists and I'm not caring about other people. And
0: so what were some of the things that you were wrestling with? I love that you didn't realize you were, um, I, I I love, I love that you didn't know you were millennial. I mean, I, I don't know. I That's a dumb thing to say, but I think it's interesting that we step in and out of not liking a label and and then relating to a label. So where were you when you began thinking about this piece and the things you were wrestling with? Because I'm sure it wasn't like, I don't like Safe by the Belt. That's me. That's my generation. You know, like, what? <laughs> Like I'm sure it wasn't something super flippant or trivial. Tell me what led you to this.
2: Well, as you mentioned, I, one of my areas I cover is demographics. So I had had on my story list for a while this notion of millennials starting to turn 40. I'd seen it mentioned in passing somewhere and it did kind of jump out at me, I think just because there's this sort of forever young naive idea of the millennial. And so it was kind of a jolt to be like, oh gosh, millennials are turning 40. And I guess this shows how I didn't even think of myself as a millennial because I didn't even think about like, oh, oh yeah, also I am turning 40. <laughs> like I thought of it right. in kind of an abstract way. <laughs> and and I didn't intend for the story to be so personal. I just, for a little bit of background about me, I, I write about people all the time. I love writing about other people. I do not love <laughs> writing about myself. I've been a professional journalist for I think about 20 years. And I think the last time I wrote a story talking about myself was in like 2005. <laughs> so <laughs> this was way out of my comfort zone and, and not even what I intended, but just as I was talking to experts and exploring like, okay, what what is the story here? Uh, I just, you know, was going through all of this stuff in my life as well with my young daughter and my, my mom. And I just, I guess it, Started to think about you know okay I have something to say here that connects with this and and it's often more interesting to talk about these issues when you can kind of explore them through personal stories. So I kind of yeah. used my own personal experience to get at some of this, but my, that wasn't my original. My original concept was a bit more superficial, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but then I did reporting and and also thought about my life a little and tried to find a way to weave it all together. And hopefully the result was something that was not superficial.
0: No, it's it's really interesting. And you lead off with, I think it's selfish, right? The this myth that millennials are selfish. Mm-hmm. And you start with this story that, that is the opposite, that is, you talk about how many millennials and if we throw away the label how many of all of us find ourselves when there's a kid in your house at the same time beginning to care for adults in your life caring Mm -hmm. for your own parents or guardians uh, or other relatives Mm -hmm. and I, I mean a we could just talk about how much I hate everybody categorizing an entire generation as selfish. Anyway, but you start off with your own story about finding that balance. Tell us the story.
2: Yeah, so I guess there was this this moment, this day last year that really kind of crystallized all of this for me. Um, You know, my husband went out of town for the first time since our daughter was born. She was about, I think, 11 months old just about. She was not quite 11 months old at the time, which first of all is amazing that he had not gone out of town before that point. So I had to recognize (laughs) I was so lucky that we had been kind of in the trenches together for all that time. But anyway, he went out of town and I was terrified and super stressed out. What am I going to do? But it was going like pretty well. But then my daughter started to get her first two teeth and they (sighs) were just kind of poking through the gums and Our pediatrician told us some kids are, like, kind of indifferent to getting new teeth. And some kids let you know, like, every millimeter that it moves in their mouth. And my daughter is definitely Category (laughs) B. (laughs) She she Mm. did not like what was going on and was very clear about that. So uh, we just had a really rough night. You know, she's thrashing in her crib I'm watching on the monitor should I go in or should I not go in okay I'm gonna go in I gotta comfort her oh nothing's getting better let me give her Tylenol she's like blah oh, I hate Tylenol she's yeah. spitting it out everywhere <laughs> all over her pajamas not in her mouth anyway just one of those rough nights we end up basically I ended up just giving up and sleeping with her and the lazy yeah. boy in my arms and
0: good job by <laughs> the way good <laughs> thank job you,
2: thank you yeah, yeah. go ahead <laughs> I, I really appreciate that because I feel like there's so many moments yep. in parenthood where you're like, where's the, where's the applause? I yeah. just like, <laughs> I just did something and it was not a disaster. That's right. That bells, uh, so, yes. Thank you. thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but it was, it was a rough night and, you know, we, I just remember waking up that morning and being like, whoa, like what happened? I'm like <laughs> aching because I've slept in this weird position. She's covered in Tylenol then we're you know but we the day starts and we're playing and it's you know kind of idyllic the daylight is streaming in the the nursery and right. she's laughing and my phone rings and it's my dad and I'm like oh gosh she's calling so early like this is so nice cuz we're yeah. up we can do like a FaceTime my parents are so happy to be grandparents this is awesome so i answer and i say good morning Yeah. And he said something like, it's not a good morning. Uh, And uh, yeah, it it turned out that uh, my mom had died um, very, very unexpectedly. Um, Obviously, I was totally shocked uh, instantly, like, yeah, losing it, sobbing. And I I remember it so vividly, because my my daughter was like, fine. You know, she's just like, being her adorable wild curious bubbly self playing with her toys and yes. i'm like uh, which i guess is good because it allowed me to have that that intense uh, period there and and everything was okay for her but um yeah anyway just this crazy moment in my life where i'd had this night caring for my daughter and then here i was sort of confronted with this really tragic news about my mom and you know, my my daughter was so young and is so young still, and and my mom was so excited to be a grandma. And I think the first thought I had was just like, oh, I wish she had had more time with yeah. Leah. You know, just th- that they had had more time together. And oh my, now Leah's not gonna know her. And and oh my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like <laughs> how I yeah. I didn't ask my mom enough questions. And <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I can't ask her about this teething nonsense anymore. Or anything and just uh all of a sudden having to figure out how to pack up and drive to Michigan and plan a funeral was just not uh on my bingo card and it, it was a, a really really tough time and uh, you know, the kind of thing that millions of people are going through all the time like you mentioned this kind of strain. Of, of having young kids or kids of any age, any, and, and yeah. aging parents, uh, you know, there's just all kinds of things in that cauldron that are going to come up that are really tough to deal with. Also things, I guess, that are can be really beautiful and amazing, like the the, the good part about like grandparents and grandchildren. You know and I mean, like the there are great things there, too. But anyway, in that moment, the great things were not what was occurring to me. It was just like, oh, my God, like, I always kind of knew like, okay, my parents are getting older and I have a baby. Like, obviously I knew that was true, but it just kind of, you know, hit me like a tidal wave in, in that moment. So that ended up being kind of, yeah, the the way I kind of led into just trying to dispel one of the really huge myths about millennials, which is that we're all narcissists that don't care about other people. And I think there was a line in the story where I said, you know, we're millennials or, you know, not just millennials, okay. and I realize labels are problematic, but anyway, for the purpose of alluding to the story, I wrote, you know millennials are too busy trying to juggle things at work and then taking care of people at home to be as self-centered as we've been portrayed for all of
0: these years. i also I just okay, one, you really are doing a good job that I think we don't talk enough about in in an honest way about those moments of huge transition you know not and and every case is so different every situation is so different but if you put the differences aside loss of any kind is really difficult. And I don't think we give ourselves enough grace sometimes to sit with that. That is a tremendous amount of work you had to do while having a newborn. I mean, essentially an infant in your house. And it's such hard timing because simultaneously you did this amazing thing of getting through your first night solo parenting, which is is such a, like, next level, like, high five line. Like, none of us think we can do it, and then we do it, and we're like, I am the queen or king of the world, (laughs) right? Like, you're like, I did it! I didn't (laughs) fuck this up, right? And to have your partner out of the house, I just, I think, whether it is uh, something that is uh, sudden or something you, a person might be aware of is coming. I remember like, there. Were, I don't know how I feel about this phrase, everybody, but they're like, we all become orphans at some point in time. And I'm pretty sure I don't like the phrase because it feels dismissive of people, of children who have lost parents at an early age. But as we get older, like there's no Disney movie where there's like a 40-year-old woman who lost their mother. <laughs> goes on an epic, life-changing adventure, right? Like you're not, that's, no one cares at a certain age that you lost your parents in terms of a good story, right? Like it's what's expected. And so I know it's hard to know like where to reach out and find support for that. And I almost kind of give no shits about the other myths because I feel like once you think think say them out loud they defeat themselves right like they <laughs> because yeah. how is that possible so i want to ask I actually have two things that i want to kind of look at uh, one is continuing with the experience that you've had but also your experience as a journalist and the type of work that you cover so the first thing i want to ask uh, on a more personal level is Has, I mean, the answer is yes, but how uh, and to what degree has this experience of becoming a parent and losing a parent sort of impacted how you're walking through the world, how you're parenting, how you see, uh, I mean, like. And it's okay if the answer is I've become the most selfish person on the planet, not because I'm a millennial, but because I'm fucking done, right? Like, that's fine, too. (laughs) Just so you know. It's fair.
2: That's such a good question. I guess I'm trying to – I mean, obviously, it's affected – both things have affected me tremendously and continue to all the time. I did want to give kind of a. This is not a direct answer to this question, but just sure. on your previous point about how hard it is to deal with all of these things, and um, I just want to give like a shout out to. I have the such amazing friends and and such an amazing partner, um, who everyone and and family too just were so supportive. But like on that day when when I found out my mom died and my dad was out of town, I was actually supposed to meet a few of my best friends for a play date, which is something I had barely ever done. And we were all so excited to do this play date at the playground. And I sent them some kind of terribly abrupt text that said like, sorry yeah. guys, like I can't cut my mom died. <laughs> it's not, not the kind of thing not you should write in a text and not the way you should say it. But I was obviously just like running on right. fumes and you know, they were at my house within the hour, Mm. had someone else watching their kids so they could watch my daughter so I could figure out how to pack up everything. And anyway, so that was just the first moment of of dealing with all of this. But I, I was so instantly embraced. And I think it really speaks to how important it is to have those people in your life who are not family blood family necessarily but just are those people that are there for you and that community and you know you can find it in all sorts of ways I think I I, of course I always knew that was important and have been grateful for it but in that moment I really really felt it so yeah just I should acknowledge it's not like I'm some kind of like super person that dealt with all this stuff like people (laughs) held me up when I would have crumpled you know
0: well the super part is allowing yourself to lean on others I mean that's that's the hardest that's the hardest one for some reason that's uh, that is a valid shout out I think
2: uh I mean this is a a bit of a cliche but it certainly made me really even more committed to appreciating the time I have with my loved ones when they're around me and really trying to preserve that space you know there's so many competing interests and you know Mm -hmm. my job is very intense and I I do love my job but trying to make sure I carve out time to be with my family and be really present um I think it it definitely both my daughter and losing my mom kind of hit that really hard for me so that's one thing for sure um and I think kind of like strange unintended consequence of all of it I definitely had this moment where I thought, okay, I'm totally overwhelmed. I'm just going to kind of put one foot in front of the other at work. Uh, you know, do I'll do my yeah. best, but I'm not going to like take on a big project. I'm just going to, you know, try to get through each day. And then I like weirdly, accidentally had probably my best year professionally ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I of course tried to think about like, well, how did that happen? And I, I think. One reason was that I really got forced to prioritize things, which I was mm-hmm. never, it's not, I'm not really very good at that n- naturally. <laughs> I tend to just, if someone asks something of me, I do it. Yeah. I, I'm a real like people pleaser. And I had to start saying no to stuff because there are only so many hours in the day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I ended up taking on the things that really, really mattered and I and really throwing myself into those still. But then some of the things that were less important or that I knew other people could do, I I let that happen in a way that I didn't do before. And I think to your point about how it's a big deal to ask for help or to allow people to help you, that's also not something I have generally been good at. And I've been very forced into that, but in like a good, I mean, obviously I wish that my mom had not died and- It's two separate things, do not worry.
0: We all, it's two totally, yeah. (laughs) It is a kind
2: of interesting unintended consequence of all these things going on in my life that I do feel like in some ways I am, the way I'm living my life is healthier maybe, Mm. or I don't know if that, maybe that there's too much judgment in that. But I I think in some ways I'm I'm developing like a, a better way of prioritizing things and realizing what's important to me than maybe I had before. So
0: I always worry. So as, as you and listeners know, I'm going through this process um, while uh, of caring for my parents and my mom is in hospice. And I always, <laughs> I always have these like weird moments where I'm like, and now I should have a better understanding or appreciation of life and right? Like, you know, what will I see different? And I, for me, the exhaustion of this process of balancing all the, the different things is is like almost like having a newborn in the house again. I mean, it's a shocking amount of fatigue. And I have also really just let go of certain things that I would normally not have let go of. And it's always a surprise when the world keeps spinning and thinking, <laughs> things keep happening. I'm like, "What? I don't understand." <laughs> yeah. But in some weird screwed up way, I always think if I ever have one of those real epiphanies, right? Of like better prioritizing and and seeing even just appreciating life more, that I'll fail at it. That like it'll it'll be <laughs> it'll be like one of those things where like 2 months later I am, I've completely fucked up, and I'm back to just playing a lot of Animal Crossing in my free time, right? Like, so, so,
2: yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. I binge watch a lot of Netflix. I'm not saying I'm some kind of, like, saintly person that only uses my time wisely. I'm a total mess. I I think in terms of, like, some things that really matter that I might before have really really screwed i mean because you are probably in general someone who has a better work-life balance than (laughs) i used to have but i used to just be so bad Uh, about these things i was actually just talking with some friends from college about a past relationship my freshman year of college and and remembering that it was my then boyfriend's birthday dinner and i didn't go mm -hmm. Because I had a story being edited. <laughs> I just said, <laughs> I think I just called him and said, like, sorry. Yeah. Story's being edited. Like, we'll make it up some other time. And he was so pissed. Yes. Which at the time, I, I think I didn't even understand. Anyway, whatever. That's an oh. example from a long time yeah, ago. But, but that was the, like, I just would blow off those kinds of things all the time. And I hope I would make a different decision now, though. I guess we should probably check with my husband (laughs) to see how well I'm really doing (laughs) on any of these things.
0: Well, I got to imagine, I'm going to wrap up on sort of a different question, and that is about your work. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. covering demographics, you cover immigration, and... I mean, I kind of want to just know is the whole labeling generations totally a bullshit American thing, or do people do it in other countries? And then, two, in covering the stories that you cover, I know that they have an impact. And the best example I can give is before I had my first child, I could watch CSI and Criminal Minds all the time. And then I had my first child, and if I saw another shooting or another woman murdered or another baby in harm's way i just i couldn't i couldn't watch any of that stuff i couldn't read the books that i used to read like it it made like it was like a weird light switch where i just was like no thanks can't do it and but that's like a personal preference of things that i like but your job exposes you to a lot of things especially when i think about immigration and what you cover, how has having a baby in your house (laughs) impacted how you see a story and vice versa, how your work impacts you now? And again, it's fine if your answer is not at all.
2: (laughs) Oh, I I wish. I mean, I don't wish because I think, you know, the moment you stop caring about these things, you should probably should not be yeah. a journalist if, if if the stories didn't affect me to cover them. But, you know, I think I've always been drawn to telling stories about children and families, not deliberately and explicitly, but if I think back on some of kind of my most impactful or or kind of the stories that really stuck with me, a lot of them are about, you know, the 14-year-old from Guatemala who I rode a bus with from Tucson to Tupelo, Mississippi, when he was about to meet his dad for the first time, or the Somali refugee who was separated from her family by the travel ban for a month. So I don't think it would be accurate to say, like, you know, now all of a sudden something matters to me that didn't right. before. I think right. That's always fair. mattered to me. But, but I definitely... Um, i guess I, I think I have these moments where I feel this sort of visceral like Oh my gosh, that child is the same age as my daughter you know I mean, you should always be empathizing and connecting with the people that you speak with, but i I think that ha- the being a parent and and going through all these things there's just some very clear contrast I think sometimes when I'm covering certain topics and you can see oh this is a parent who just walked through the jungle for days and almost died and her daughter is the same height and age as my daughter but so much about what has happened to them up until this point is so different and yet I feel like if if my daughter were here with me while I was doing this reporting they'd be over there playing together and so it just, uh, you know, I, I guess it kind of uh, accentuates your the emotions you feel in certain moments. And I think, uh, certainly, like my, the, I I hear what you're saying about like not wanting to watch the crime shows or you know hear bad news. I mean, that yeah, there, I've definitely had those moments. But I think that in some ways, I I feel more committed to telling the stories that I've always thought were important to cover because I, I just um, maybe my own experiences of just knowing how tough certain moments have been for yeah. me in a position of relative privilege. It just makes me think about what other people are going through and how important it is to shine a light on that.
0: Well, it also allows your work allows your readers to also have access to that to the experiences of others. And because I think that's a really important point that like the act of teething, for example, is the same. It's horrible experience as a parent to go through, <laughs> but the circumstances and situations in which that child is teething and the caregiver finds themselves in can be drastically different. But I've always believed if you can find that first common shared issue or moment, it can make us all more empathetic and more aware that everybody out there is trying their best in that moment and that the situations that they're in doesn't make them any better or worse as people, right? So I I just, I appreciate the work that you do. And Catherine, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk with us about your experiences, as well as, you know, the impact of, you know, the work that you do on you and uh, your family. So everybody, I'm going to link you up to where... I'm going to link you to the article that started this whole conversation, uh, but also to where you can find more of Catherine's work. Catherine, thank you so much for for coming on and just chatting with me about all this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
2: Her Majesty served Great Britain and the Commonwealth loyally for over 70 years. And while, of course, we feel a profound sadness, we must remember she lived a long life and died in such a way that I think many of us would want for ourselves. She was at home, surrounded by her family, and, of course... She was listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast.
3: The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485.
0: Genius fail time. I have a genius. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. So I'm at my parents like every day, every day, and I'm riding the elevator a lot so I'm getting to know all the people who live in the apartment building. And I got in the elevator the other day with a gentleman who was wearing a baseball hat. And on the end of his baseball hat was like this clip, this like little flat sort of clip. And I, it, it looked like a light. And I said, is that like a light that's clipped onto your hat? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's one of the greatest things I've ever bought. He, he does, like, works on, like, you know, boxes, electronical boxes, like, in garages and things like that. Um, and he needs both hands. And it's just this very simple light that you can direct. And he's like, yeah, it's on Amazon, like two for eight bucks. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, it's rechargeable. Really? Okay. I went home and I got one. Do you know why? Because there are a million times I need that light. For example, searching lego bins for ellis or helping ellis customize something very tiny with like tweezers and an exacto knife and i just slap that i'm old my eyes my eyes need a lot of light i've totally become that person who walks into a room and is like why is it so dark in here and like <laughs> slamming lights on so i used it for that i also use it when i'm puzzling because I can have this direct light. I used it just yesterday when I was cleaning the gunk out of the washing machine. That's something you're supposed to do. I used it to, uh, what else was I using? I don't know. I've, I have already used it at least seven times. And I have a feeling I'll use it for crafting or like needlepoint. Hi, Biz. This is a
1: genius.
0: <laughs> okay, so
3: it's very <laughs> sunny today. It's a Saturday. We live in the Pacific Northwest, so it's, Mm. I don't know, it's rained a lot, Okay, So there's always rains. And this is the first, like, beautiful, sunny weekend day that we've had in a very long time. And my partner, who's amazing, who's a total genius, wanted to organize and clean out stuff in the garage, which I did not want to do. Um, (laughs) And um, there's been this, like, ongoing joke about the state of the inside of my car, which I'm sure I don't have to explain uh. to you. I, we have one six-year-old no. and two large dogs, and the inside of my car is actually a garbage pit. So, so my partner's car does not look like that because most of the time when the child is in his car, she is asleep. So um, my genius is that today uh, I took a bunch of stuff from the garage to donate, and then I was right across the street from a car wash, and I went through the car wash, with my Lotus drink that I bought for myself for my little errand running uh, on my own. And I went to the car wash, and then I did the free vacuuming. It's free if you have already paid for the car wash, which I was going to do anyway. And you can use the vacuum as long as you want, and it's amazing. It vacuums up way more stuff than I was expecting. And, like, my car is still, don't get me wrong, it's not perfect. There's still weird sticky spots and things that need to be addressed. But it's like the cleanest it's been since I bought it brand new. And... Only going to be like this for another, like, ten seconds because I'm going to pull into my driveway and then my daughter is going to get in the car to look for something and track whatever child stuff that she's going to track in. But I just feel like a genius because my car is clean, which I don't even – I've had this car for two years. (laughs) This is probably the only time I've ever vacuumed it (laughs) out, And I also had, prior to that, gotten garbage bags and taken everything out that needed to go into the house. And then taking everything out that needed to go in the garbage, so there was like emptiness to vacuum. And I really wish I could show you the seat under my child's booster because it's oh. amazingly devoid of crumbs and whatnot. And I just and then on the way home, um, you I was listening to you in the podcast, and you had one of my fails, and I just felt really hurt, And so I'm just feeling amazing. Anyways, that was a long ramble. Thanks for everything, Biz. I hope you're doing good today. Bye.
0: And now we're playing one of your geniuses. Look at that. Oh, anyone can call me at any time and say, my car. But I don't have to tell you, Biz. And I can say, you're right. You don't have to tell me because my car. And like just maybe maybe we should do a new, we haven't done a One Bad Mother like photo challenge in a long time. But maybe we should do a under my car seat challenge. Or we could even call it Where My Child Sits. Because, because even though I don't have a car seat in my car anymore, it's nasty. Isn't it nasty? I don't even under, like, how many times am I walking around with chocolate chips melted onto my ass? More than I'm probably aware. That is for sure. You did. <laughs> I know this is a genius. But I, my other favorite part of this call was when you said, I took garbage bags out to my car and filled them with things that needed to go in the house. Now, let's you put things in a garbage bag that needed to go in the house, and I can laugh at that because I do that. Those bags full of stuff that go back in the house that are just really a garbage bag that you use to do that, then just sit like that for, I don't know about you, but they sit like that for me for months months and months. And then I'm like, what is this bag? Because sometimes there's a little trash in it because you're like, there's not enough trash, but like there's just enough trash and masks because that's where we live now mixed in with the socks, the toys, the buck, the <laughs> the whatever that you feel you need to save. And it just creates a beautiful new problem, but it's not in your car. Your car is clean and you did it. And that's what matters. And you are doing a remarkably good job. Fails. Fail. 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 You suck. Spring break. Okay. Leading up to spring spring break. Both children, Raiden, who is a teen, and Ellis, who is one year away from being a tween, both announced they wanted to dye their hair. Raiden wanted to dye it purple. Ellis wanted to dye it green. They did not want to bleach their hair before they dyed. They just wanted to get a box and dye it. And I was like, yeah, all right. And Stefan was like, yeah, all right. So I went. and we, we got some dye. I didn't do any research. I didn't do any looking into anything. Last time we ever dyed Raiden's hair at home was a very, very long time ago. Probably when they were like Ellis's age. And we did purple, but, like, I mean, I had had gotten the manic panic. I had, like, you know, made sure we had all these towels, and there was not going to be dye anywhere, and we did that, and it was great. This time I just said, well, actually, I wasn't even here for the Raiden part. I had to go to the folks' apartment. So Raiden did their own. And then I came home and had one hour to get the hair dye in Ellis's hair and then go back. To my parents' apartment, <laughs> so I came home, squirted it full green. I come back, and Stefan has showered. Ellis, Ellis's hair washed it, uh, but it's it's not. I mean, you can still see, like, you could, like, take a fingernail and, like, scrape off, dye on the scalp, right? So, like, Stefan already has his shoulder completely green from where Ellis was snuggling. There's green, thick, all of Ellis's face. It's like Ellis is peeping out of a little blanket. You just see his, like, eyes and mouth and nose, and everything beyond that is just green. Like, there's just his skin, totally green, neck gray. I get him back in, like... Uh, the tub area where you, we like do the salon style where I'm hosing them off. And that's still not getting it. We then just stopped because that was just like getting him annoyed. I was getting wet. Green was spraying everywhere. And there is green everywhere. Everybody. There's also a little purple everywhere. It had been three days passed, and I was like, it's now time to try and wash Ellis again. So that, <laughs> so that was last night. And that was also a horrible experience, but we got more of it out. Like I can show Gabe, uh, like there's literally right here, it it looks like I ran into the table, but it's just, hold on, I'm wearing something tighter than I normally do on my arms. Gabe, I'll show you later. Just this horrible green, like shirts are ruined, pillowcases are ruined, and also green unless done professionally, just looks like a fucked up joker. Guys, that's what it looks like. Fucked up joker. It's kind of (laughs) awful. Spring break!
4: Woo! (laughs) Hi, Bez, and this is a fail, or maybe a rant, but it's probably a fail, because I am graduating from college for the first time at 40, and that's not the fail, but that is fully genius- but the fail is that I just realized that with four weeks left that I don't have like anything to wear to graduation and that's a fail. And then I've been like trying to sneak in like like quick times to go buy a dress and it's just it's really hard to do that in like a fifteen minute time and then there's graduation prep and finals and all of this end of the journey things and then hanging over my head is the fact that like, Oh, I still don't know what I'm going to wear. And all I can think of is like, okay, well like I should have been better at this, at this self thing because I knew this was coming for the last four years. And then this little detail of like, Oh yeah, you need something to wear. has completely escaped me. So yeah, I am failing at being a self while also succeeding at completing a goal I've had for the last 15 or so years. So, yeah. Thanks for the show. You are doing a great job.
0: Bye. First of all, you're doing an amazing job. Uh, You're getting your degree. Uh, That's remarkable. And, yeah, 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 yeah. You're failing at being a self. Okay? I don't understand why after four years you haven't bought yourself a dress to wear. And, you know, here's the thing. The fail really is that feeling of, like, I just don't have anything nice. And I find myself in that same situation where I'm, like, I'm parenting. I'm working. I'm doing all the things I'm doing. And then something comes along that I knew was coming along. It was going to be nice. And I go, and I, I don't have anything. Like, 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 a rem- like, really, somehow I've managed to give away or donate or sell everything that's not a pair of jeans or a t-shirt. And if I do have it, it's from like a weird time period in my life. Uh, So it definitely doesn't fit or is not at all stylish anymore. I'm like, oh, a sundress from my like wedding weekend? Why is that still in my closet? And then you like find a dress that your kid wore to a wedding once. You're like, why is this here? So the fail I totally get is that feeling that you just you just can't even there's something sad about not having a thing that you want to have for this time that you knew you were going to need it but the fail I'm going to make fun of is how dare you not spend the last four years with everything else going on planning what you were going to wear what, what did you have going on, huh? I, I can't imagine. You're doing a terrible job.
4: <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love-
0: All right, everybody. Let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hey, Biz. This is a mom having a breakdown.
4: Just, I just need to talk it out. Um, I am incredibly overwhelmed right now. My child, my youngest, is incredibly medically complicated. He has a severe bleeding disorder that caused epilepsy, cerebral palsy. We found out a couple weeks ago that he's also allergic to everything. He's allergic to everything. Uh, Every indoor and outdoor allergen and all of the nuts, Um, except for cockroaches. He's not allergic to cockroaches, so I guess that's a good thing. And... He's incredibly delayed. He's two, almost two, and he can barely sit up on his own. And he is learning how to crawl. And he doesn't, he can't speak. So we're in speech therapy, and we're in occupational therapy, and we're in physical therapy, and we're starting early on in the next couple weeks. And so we'll have four days of therapy, both in the hospital and at. My oldest son has just diagnosed with ADHD, which I've known for the longest time, but now we have an actual diagnosis, so we can get him the help he needs. But he also has really severe anxiety and probably depression, and he feels neglected because his baby brother needs so much of my time and attention. And my husband is, like, losing his job this summer Um, after he's been his employer for, like, like, 24 years. And and I know, like, we'll be okay. He's getting a wonderful severance package. But it's just so much change and, and... everything and everybody is asking me like how do I do it all and I don't don't know Biz. I don't know how I'm doing it all I, I just wake up every day and just fucking do it like I don't know but I just today I don't know why today has been I've been having I've been doing really well keeping everything together but today I just it's just everything is coming. I'm I'm just feeling a lot, and I'm having a bad mental health day. And I I don't know. I have no idea how I do it every day. I I mean therapy is great, but I just it's so much. I just I I don't know. I'm trying to know what I know, but it's incredibly hard. Anyway, Biz, you are doing a wonderful job. I know that you're going through a lot, too, and I thank you for creating a space for all of us to be able to come and rant and feel our feelings and know that we are doing a good job, even when I don't feel like I am.
0: Um... Anyway, thank you. I'm gonna start with the obvious, and that is that you are doing. You're doing a remarkable job. I, I don't think it's a fair question. Like I, I'm thinking about that question of how do you do it. Uh, you know, we hear that kind of question all the time. Um, how do you do it? How are you doing it? Um, and, you know, the, the real answer is we we aren't doing it. We're doing something. But it's not whatever somebody thinks we're doing. <laughs> not even close. And I, I feel like maybe instead of... And I, I know that that question, when we say that to somebody, comes from a place of, like, support and awe and love. But, but I think... The better thing to say is just you're doing a good job. Of course, you are overwhelmed because that everything you've just shared is—it's really just too much. It's it's incredible. It's it's so much that feeling overwhelmed. I think is the very least you can be doing at this point in time. You know, it it does come in waves. Like like you know, I was doing such a good job just the other. I was I had it all together. I was handling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then what happens is you're gonna have days like this where you really feel the impact of it all because all of the days that you're getting up and just doing it doing it, one foot in front of the other, doing it, get through it, moment by moment, every day that you are doing that, that act alone is exhausting. And eventually it catches up and you just cry or you focus on something. Like I, I keep thinking about when like I got hit by a wave, uh, around the holidays and I looked at our Christmas tree and I was like, I had just come back from like seeing mama and she was still, you know, she was, oh my God, compared to now, she was doing great. And I come home and I just like completely turned to Stefan and was like, I hate the lights on this tree. Like I just came out in this weird, it has nothing to do with the tree, but I fucking hate this tree. Right. And so it's going to keep coming out like that because it's also what you're dealing with very intimate, right? These are, these are things that are happening in your house that you're witnessing every day. And so it's always going to have a greater impact because there's no stepping away from it it's really hard to find the space to step away and just i mean i remember teresa and i talking about this a few years ago and even now the never ending therapy appointments just the fact that you've got two little kids and you're already dealing with the schedule like that that's a lot that is exhausting and i i know i hear you saying you're going to be Okay, but you don't have to be. I just want you to know that. You don't have to be. You probably will be. You will get through this. And, you know, it will morph and change and evolve into other things. But you don't owe anybody to be okay. I'm glad to hear that you're doing therapy. But you you get to hate this. You get to be sad about it. You get to be angry about it. You get to be tired about it. None of that changes the actions you're going to take or what you're going to do. But you, you get to feel all those things. I think you were doing a remarkable job in a seemingly impossible moment in your life. And I, I know you know this, but I'm gonna say it again. You are not alone. And if you aren't already involved in the One Bad Mother community, there are one bad mother subgroups for parents who and guardians who are in similar situations with medically challenging children. So Come on to the motherboard, find it, find out about that subgroup and join because I know Eileen Heavy on the One Bad Mother Sandwich Generation. And I, I just, you're not alone. And I think you're doing, God, you're just doing a remarkable job. And like I said, I don't care how you fucking do it. <laughs> you're just doing it. Honk, honk. Everybody, once again, I want to say thank you for supporting One Bed Mother. We have our 500th episode coming up over on the One Bed Mother private group community board on Facebook. I've posed the question, what do you want to do for 500? Come let us know. I'm also going to post that over on Instagram as well. Uh, let us know how you want to celebrate 500 because I think it's kind of a big deal. It's like that first birthday. Is it a big deal or are we just going to make it a big deal? I don't know. We'll probably overdo. So thank you for showing up during the drive. Again, remember, you can join as a member of Max Fun and support One Bad Mother anytime. But you can also go and like us on Facebook, tweet about us, retweet a show, whatever. Just continue to spread the word. But the bottom line is what makes One Bad Mother One Bad Mother is you being part of our community, going out, seeing each other, remembering that we're not alone and that we're doing a good job because you are doing a good job. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>
3: I got to low down, mama blues. I got to low down, mama blues. Got to low down, mama blues. Low down, mama blues. Got to low down, mama blues. Got to low down, mama blues. You know that's right.
0: We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you are listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com.
1: One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join.
3: Well, daddy, baby, busting by, not low down Mama Blue. Oh, said daddy, baby, busting by, not low down Mama yeah. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture.
2: Artist owned, audience supported.